Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Trigger warning. The following episode contains descriptions of graphic violence and adult language. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm Danielle. I'm Max. And each Wednesday, we crack open a bottle of wine and dive into some thrills, chills, and spills. This is Innocent Till Tipsy. I had never heard about any of this. Um, it wasn't until we were looking at our Child Star episode that I started, like, I was on the phone with my mom reading through the script, and she's like, oh my god, there's so many more. And she even listed off, like, Jodie Foster was a prostitute in that movie Taxi when she was, like, 12 years old. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, okay, I want to know what that's about. So I googled Jodie Foster, and it says the John Hinckley incident. And I was like, so okay. there's an incident. Okay. Well, this is it. There's an incident. So I hadn't heard about this. Obviously, I had heard about the assassination of, um, well, the assassination attempt of Ronald Reagan um, mm-hmm. back in 1982. Yeah. So let me just set the mood for you, okay? okay. <laughs> On a drizzly March afternoon in 1981, President Ronald Reagan was leaving the Hilton Hotel in Washington, D.C. when a voice rang out from the onlooking crowd, President Reagan, President Reagan. As the president turned in the direction of the voice calling him, six shots rang out. The first first bullet tore through the brain of press secretary James Brady. Oh, my God. The second. I know. I didn't know this much about it. I didn't know either. Like ringing like a little bell like I knew the attempt, but... Yeah, and I've seen the video because there is a video of yeah. this, just like um, the assass- well, the actual assassination of JFK's brother. Um, but yeah, the second bullet hit policeman Thomas Delahanty in the back. The third overshot the president, hitting a building. The fourth shot hit a secret Secret Service agent Timothy McCarthy in the chest. Okay, I've seen that. I've seen that yeah. happen. Yeah, I yeah. Think. The fifth shot hit the bulletproof glass on the president's limousine, and the sixth and final shot actually did hit the president in the chest, grazing Whoa. his rib and piercing his lung just inches away from his heart. I didn't know he was actually struck. I didn't know that either. No. So within seconds, he's actually spitting up blood, which I've always heard is like a death, like, yeah, no lung. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so his limo speeds towards George Washington University Hospital, where he was went immediately into life-saving surgery measures. So this entire event, as I said, it's caught on camera. You can see the mm-hmm. Secret Service members, the police dodging, wrestling the culprit to the ground. Um, over the years, I'd seen like all these reports of this event. I'd see, I've seen that video countless times, but. And like, I feel like maybe this is my age showing here. I never knew about Jodie Foster's accidental involvement in this. No, I didn't know about, I didn't know this. Yeah. So the um, person, John Hinckley Jr., who tried to assassinate the president, he became obsessed with child star Jodie Foster's film Taxi Driver, where she portrayed a child prostitute. I actually watched the film (laughs) in prep for this because I was like, I've never actually seen Taxi Driver. I'd always heard Mm. that this was kind of like a scandalous role for a 12 year old to be playing and she's portraying a 12 year old prostitute. I watched it. 
you know, last week we talked about Brooke Shields and how her mother had put her in like, I think it was baby doll or something, that horrible movie where they had said it was basic child pornography. I don't think Martin Scorsese oh, the Island one. the Island one, but there was another one where she portrayed Blue a child prostitute. I got too. you. Okay. Yeah. There was another one. Yeah. So, um, she, I don't think it's like that at all. Watching taxi driver. There wasn't really any scene where I was like, Oh, this is too much. And maybe Jody didn't know fully what she was portraying as well. She wasn't dressed too provocatively either. Like a lot of like, wasn't so problems. scandalous. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Um, so I just thought it was interesting though. Like the, as we went from the child star and parents taking advantage of their kids into like this, um, but the assassination attempt um, was all in the hopes of getting Jodie Foster's attention. That's why he did it. He wanted her attention. What? After years of stalking, calling, writing notes to her. Yeah. Like, this is going to get you good attention. This is going to get you, like, blacklisted to never come near her ever. I'm telling you. For any so reason. I know. I never knew this kind of like mental illness was the driving culprit at this whole event. So Whoa. I know his last letter to Jody before he attempted to kill the president read as follows. Dear Jody, there is definitely a possibility that I will be killed in my attempt to get Reagan. It is for this very reason that I'm writing this letter now. As you well know by now, I love you very much. Over the past seven months, I've left you dozens of poems, letters, and love messages in the faint hope that you could possibly develop an interest in me. Although we talked on the phone a couple of times, I never had the nerve to simply approach you and introduce myself. Besides my shyness, I honestly did not wish to bother you with my constant presence. Yeah, please don't. <sighs> he didn't do a good job of that because oh, he no. was stalking her. Yeah, um, why? These poems, the calls... Yeah. Uh, your constant present is constant. So. It is constant already. Could it be worse? Could it be any worse? Um, I know the many messages left at your door and in your mailbox were a nuisance, but I felt like it was the most painless way for me to express my love for you. I feel very good about the fact that you at least know my name now and how I feel about you. And by hanging around your dormitory, I've come to realize that I'm the topic of more than a little conversation, however full of ridicule it may be. At least you know that I'll always love you, Jody. I would abandon the idea of getting Reagan in a second if I could only win your heart and live out the rest of my life with you, whether it be in total obscurity or whatever. I will admit to you that the reason I'm going ahead with this attempt now is because I cannot wait any longer to impress you. I've got to do something to make you understand in no uncertain terms that I'm doing all of this for your sake. By sacrificing my freedom and possibly my life, I hope to change your mind about me. This letter is being written only an hour before I leave the Hilton for the Hilton Hotel. Oh Jody, I'm asking you to please look into your heart and at least give the chance with this historical deed to gain your love and respect. I love you forever. John W. Hinckley. I obviously mental illness was to say, I don't understand why this, if he thinks he might die or get arrested, how is he going to win her heart? I, you know, mental illness yeah. is a strange little mm -hmm. thing. I'm telling you, like I, I read that and I was like, holy bananas. Can you that's imagine if you open lot. that letter? You're like the assistant that's like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, fuck. Anyone got the number for the FBI, Secret Service, anyone? Yes. Yes. Um, 
So, wow. Before we dive into this, and I will, I do want to say before we even like get into the wine, he's free now, which I didn't know that was a thing that you could almost kill the president and, and they get ever out. let you go. Yes. I, although it's, it's a good thing because like, yes, he's obviously very mentally ill. Now this has been a controversial topic of whether him being released is a good thing or not. Like that's something we will definitely discuss because yeah, as of right now, um, he has no, uh, there's no restrictions on him anymore. And that's, that's why this is very timely news actually, because just this June, all of the restrictions on him, um, monitoring his medications, where he is in the world. Although I'm sure the secret service always knows where he is, Yeah, but he is just a free man now. He's trying to promote his music career right now, um, selling concerts and every. I know, I know. That's that's an interesting hook. <laughs> a very interesting hook. So before we get into his obsession with, um, and it's weird because I feel like it's like an obsession with underage Jodie Foster, but he's pursuing her when she's an adult because at adult, that point in time yeah. she's already at Yale. Anyways, um, before we get into that, let's talk about the wine that we have today from our friend Naked Wines. Yes, I'm so excited for this. I had to open it because honestly, I just wanted to smell it and it smells like this whole room smells great now. So really? I'm just going to do one more rose day because I love spooky season, but I'm also sad to say goodbye to summer. So, um, but this would go good anytime. I haven't tra- tried it yet though. I, I waited. Um, so this is from our friends at Naked Wine. Sorry, I know you can't see this very well. It's <laughs> um, Patrice Grasset, I think I'm saying it hopefully right. It's French. So hmm. um, I read a little bit about it. It's a 2020 rosé. Um, I believe it's like a limited edition because when I was reading some reviews, there's people that are like, oh, I wish I could have grab another bottle. Um, I know. Sorry, I'm going to enjoy it for you. It's normally 25. We've talked about this before. They have amazing deals. So if you're an angel, you get a discount. Um, Mm -hmm. Normally $26. uh, Angel price, $10.99. So exciting. Yeah. And um, as I mentioned, it is from France. And the winemaker was really cool. It was cool on Naked. You can... um, leave a review about your wine. If you don't like it, you get a full refund and they'll, um, hopefully pair you with something that you might, that's more to your taste. But, mm-hmm. um, it was really cool to see the winemaker Patrice himself was responding to the reviews, like, um, even good ones, bad ones, whatever. But like, um, he's like, bonjour. <laughs> 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 um, and it was really cool to see. It was even like two days ago, three days ago. Um, yeah. Like some people love it. Some people are maybe not rosé people, but again, through Naked, you can just swap it out for something you might like better. And um, I'm excited to try it. So that's what I have. What do you have? I have, I think this one's cute. It's called Rabbit and Spaghetti. Um, kind of makes me hungry though. We're, we're getting near lunchtime and I'm like, Oh God, yes. I wish I could have some actual spaghetti with this. Um, it's yes, we 20... are morning drinking. <laughs> we are more, we always are morning drinking. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, it's a 2020 bottle. Um, it's the angel price is 16 99 and, but the regular is 21. So it's definitely a deal um, right. on naked wines. I know, uh, it is a bronze winner. It's like an Australian award-winning wine. So I'm really excited to try it. It is the Barone Valley Shiraz. Um, but it seems like it's got a mixture. Like it says Cabernet Sauvignon is 52%, Shiraz 44, and Malbec 4%. We love Malbecs too. Oh, I love Um, that. 
I know. So it's kind of like a blend. Um, I'm excited to give it a shot because I, I just love my reds. I'm never a rosé kind of girl. I'm excited for the fall. Um, but yeah, and it says that this bright complex red is bursting with fresh red fruit flavors from ripe cherry and juicy raspberry. So I'm not sure mm. if this will be on my taste level because, you know, I'm more of like. Yeah, a, I like fruity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll right. give it a shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's You're way ahead try. of me today. Oh, we'll go a little bit more. Ah, <laughs> uh, why not? Oh, it smells good though. Cheers. Cheers. It's because it's the morning. Every time I'm always like, whoa, that's shocking. That's why I think <laughs> I picked my rosés for to go first. I was like, it's 10 a.m. <laughs> Santa's coming to town. <laughs> oh, I like it. Um I definitely read, and this is very true. It's not as sweet. Mine's not as sweet. So if you like sweet mm-hmm. rosés, not for you. But um, well, I'd probably, that's like, probably it. Why I like it too. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why you might like this. Yeah. Yum. Mine's supposed to be black, uh, blueberry, raspberry aromas. Yeah, like I said, the whole room smelled like aromatic. Mm-hmm. I don't know, smelled like rosé. <laughs> I think I'm gonna like just slightly, slightly sip this one today because I love it. But like it says on on the website right now. Shiraz is the perfect cold weather comfort to sip and bundled up beside a roaring fire with like some cheese and everything. And I'm like, yeah, I want it with yes. like food. This is like a food wine. Yeah, I can see I'm that. so excited for, yeah, spooky season fall. I love the idea of fall like before mm-hmm. it gets cold and shitty. Like, oh, yeah. Air, wine on the But patio. you have to deal with like the actual snow and everything. Yeah, it actually it. Cold. yeah thankfully I don't. But yeah, I know. It's like, yeah, it's super rough. I do miss though, like seeing the leaves change and everything else. But oh, yes, wow. I agree. Mm-hmm. And now. Oh, I feel like I need one more sip before we dive into this mess. <laughs> I know this is going to be crazy. I had mm. no idea. I didn't either. Um, so wait, can I watch the clip really quick? Of which? Of the assassination. Oh, the assassination. Go ahead. Yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that because I've like seen like other secret service heroic effort. Like it goes into that whole like montage of like, when secret service saves the president, like things you may not know. And yeah, mm-hmm. this one, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't see the shooter. It's like behind the camera. Well, I watched a thing on it and it talked about how like, there's so many, and maybe that was the clip you watched too. There's so many different levels to the president, like getting mm-hmm. to the president. So it's wild. Like you think about the inner circle of the secret service, but then you think there's the police force. There's all these like outward circles. So the fact that he penetrated all of them and was able to get directly to Ronald Reagan at that time, yeah, he's, like so close. It's crazy. Crazy. Mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 
Um, so before we dive into John Hinckley Jr., well, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of backstory on him. Um, he was born in Oklahoma, I believe. Um, he was just 25 years old when he did this assassination attempt. Um, and of course, I feel like whenever there's an assassination attempt like this, it is riding off the heels of, you know, John Lennon being shot. Um, oh, a, yeah. a, it's just like all these infamous people you kind of get the attention i feel like that was a big driving force of it um he did come from money so his family were in the oil industry so yes he was very well off and we're going to get into a little bit of his Mm. backstory and how he was kind of aimless in his young adult years and his parents were rightfully very concerned about where he was headed Um, but yeah before we talk about him let's touch a bit on jody foster as a child star i know Last week, we talked about the issues with child stars and and all of the abuse that they withstand. Um, But I will say Jodie Foster is so private. Not much is known about her upbringing. I had to look. I was like, I know what she's in. Obviously, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, you know, yeah, like, yeah. What else yeah. have I seen? Okay, Panic well, Room, that's, Flight that's Plan. That's what's crazy to me because I always she comes her. in and out. She's like timeless, though. She is timeless. And I always knew her for her acting chops. Like, I never knew her for anything like this. I never knew anything mm-hmm. about her personal life. No. Um, the only thing I knew was um, for years, it's been speculated that she is a part of the LGBTQ plus community. I don't know if you know about this. Uh, no, but I could, I can see why that would speculate whether she is or not because her voice is very low. Oh, really? <laughs> well, when I think about how she sounds in silence of the lambs, I'm like, oh, I can see that. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of sounds of the li- the lambs, um, publications in 1991 alleged, you know, and I think to this day, sounds of the lambs can be seen as very controversial because right of whether it sees um, the trans community as like putting them in a bad light kind of thing, and mm-hmm. there's always been discussion oh, yeah. about that. Cool. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. I was like, why? And I'm, like, oh, yeah. of- no, I'm totally remembering. Sounds like mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so yeah. demonization of that community. Um, mm-hmm. but during this time, so while the publications are discussing this, and mind you, it's 1991, we're 30 years ago. Like we were in a much different place mentally than we are now, but. They also threw her under the bus, calling her homophobic because she was a closeted lesbian. So they're they're trying to out her, which I believe is more homophobic than anything. But like whatever, yeah, they're trying to well. publicly out her. I know it was the weirdest thing. So Jody didn't officially publicly come out, although she still kind of hasn't until 2013 at the Golden Globes. She didn't use the words gay, lesbian, um, but she did talk about her partner, Cindy Bernard. Yes. So he, she had been in a relationship with her since 1993, we believe. Um, they split about 2008, and they share two sons together. And then that's interesting, too. A lot like Mindy Colling, um, no one knows the the parents of these boys. Like, no one knows the fathers, uh, mm. which I think is interesting because Mindy huh. does that, too. A lot of people believe that Mindy from The Office, the yeah. – BJ is the yeah. yeah, I love her too, is the dad of her child. I think she has children now. Um, but yeah, I like that they keep that private though, because it's none of our business. Yeah. And just a disclaimer, <laughs> like I wasn't saying to just to clarify everyone on the internet, I wasn't saying that you can tell anyone's identity, sexuality, sexual orientation, none of that by your the tone of your voice. I'm saying I understand in 1991, was that on that movie's mm-hmm. from? Why yeah, yeah, yeah people would be like up in arms about like, is she, isn't she, what, what's going on? Like, yeah. Trying to oh, out so her like, and whatever, like, just leave yeah. alone. I feel like Ellen had a lot of that pressure too in the nineties, two thousands. Um, and then when she came out on the show for a long, a lot of time, she was blacklisted. I mean, now we know that she's 
not really a great human, but <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I just, I feel like as a bi woman, I feel like outing someone is very, uh, poor taste. And then the fact that they're like sounds of the lambs is this horrendous film that demonizes the LGBTQ plus community. And, but you know, I bet Jody's a closeted lesbian. I'm like, what the, f okay. This is so strange for me to think about <laughs> now. Cause when I saw the film, like I, like even my adult brain, I was like, why? Um, because when you're a kid, you also, I mean, are, yes, you're biased. You have your own upbringing biases, but like as a kid, you see through some of that, a lot of that. Yeah. So when you're like saying that, I'm like, why? I, I'm thinking like there's criminal, you know, like you think of like Lester, right? Is that, is that his name? Um, you think of, well, you just think of them as actors and actresses and you're like, wow, what a terrible crime. Or like, how is she going to solve this? Like mm -hmm. thinking about like the way to the world. Are you talking about Lecter? Are you talking about Lecter? Lecter? <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible. I will just out myself right now. It's one of my favorite horror movies. I've got the mask. I've got the moth tattooed oh, on me. I, love it. I am in love with. So that's what was funny to me upon reading this incident. I was like, oh my God, I had no idea Jodie Foster was involved in this. Um, and it was interesting researching Jodie Foster because there's so little about her, which I love for her. I think that's actually yeah, great. I love it. Um, Have your own life. Yes. Live your and life. I, I love too that we don't know her for this because in one of the interviews, one of the only interviews, she only has talked about this about three times, like a handful of times, um, where she talked about the assassination attempt. She said she did not want this historical event to be forever tied to her and something she was known for, saying it didn't have anything to do with her and that she was a hapless bystander. Oh, it didn't. She just had a it stalker didn't. that had mental she health She was a victim in it. Yeah. 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 She was a victim. A hundred percent. I wonder, so, did her team notify? Like, I'm sure they did, but like secret service, like, I mean, it doesn't mean they would have caught him or something, but that's crazy. Like, seriously, can you imagine opening that letter and being like, uh, we got to call somebody. So it's interesting to me. There's a lot of things with stalking that is just not taken seriously. And we're definitely going to share. Um, we've, we've shared before, I believe it. I can't remember what hotline it is, but we will link it below for if you are dealing with this kind of issue, but it's so scary to me that we, as women, and I know this happens to men too, but I do feel like a lot of times we're, it just feels like a very helpless situation because nobody wants to help you and all you can do is document it and you can call the police and then they can document it. But until a crime is committed, until you've been broken into, raped, you know, essayed, anything so like that, like nothing's done. Uh-huh. So it's yeah. very frustrating. So him finding her address, I mean, that's not illegal. Him finding her phone number, that's not illegal. But then it led to this. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just meant I'm sure the president wants to know about threats on his life, but I'm sure they're made like oh, yeah. hundreds well, of times every day. So. I don't know if that letter was received. So all we're going to talk about what Jody felt that day. Later. Yeah. So I don't know if Jody received that letter because Jody talks about the, one of the only instances she wrote an article for GQ and she talked about that day. So we're going to read a little excerpt from what she felt immediately after finding out the president had been assassinated, all of that. Um, but yeah, Jody began her career at a very young age, only three years old, child model. And then I thought it was so funny. She made her acting debut after her brother was taken to an audition, but the casting people saw her. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's so she's, poor brother. <laughs> I know. Swiped his <laughs> Get spot. out of here. Go to the car. She started to appear all over t television shows. I mean, Disney, she was in the original Freaky Friday. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So she became 
famous in and of her own right. She's an amazing actress. I think yeah. she will always be known for that. Um, she, at the time though, by 1980, she had decided that she wanted to just blend in and not be a part of acting. She said she thought that acting was an unintelligent, uh, like thing to work in. She didn't want anything to do with it. And so she tried to blend in at Yale university. That's where she went for school. So oh she's gosh. just, That's I smart. know, so I smart. know. And at the time she wanted to be completely anonymous. She just wanted to be with her friends. She was trying to figure out herself. And now she says that she feels like she was stupid and that obviously acting is um, a very ne necessary role. She kind of went, she definitely went right back to that. Right. But it was something she didn't really even want to be a part of at that point in time. She didn't know what she wanted to do. And she was just trying to explore herself. I really resonated with that because I remember my first couple of years at university, you guys call it college down here, but my first couple of years at university, uh, you do, I always get the weirdest looks of like, yeah, I went to St. Thomas university in Fredericton and yeah. University. university. It's because not all college, all, not all places are universities. But how, <laughs> what, okay. Can I ask for the specifics on that? Like, I'll I don't, Google I don't, it. I don't know either. <laughs> okay. Okay. I never know. Cause I'm always like, I don't know. We in, in Canada where we went, we called it university. So yeah, I've, I've got bachelor of arts. Um, but not that that's like a big deal. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure somebody knows, but yeah, there's mm. all kinds of different schools, but higher education, we just call college for mm -hmm. the most part. So in an interview with 2020 years after the incident and everything else, uh, Jody said that she felt like she had tricked herself into believing she was anonymous by that point in time on campus. Mm -hmm. So really she thought, not. yeah, she had just had her friends group, nothing else. But by then John Hinckley Jr. had become obsessed with the movie taxi driver and had already been stalking 18 year old Jody. She was only 18 at this time. He was 25. Ew, that's crazy. I know. So, John Hinckley Jr. was in search of the all-American dream after driving aimlessly through two years of college in Texas. He decided to pack up, make his way to Hollywood because he wanted to pursue a career as a singer-songwriter, even though he had little to no musical education. You know who this reminded me of? I don't know if you can think of it. Charles Manson. Charles Manson did this exact same thing. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It was yeah. so weird to me. I was like, this but is exactly what Manson did give you like delusions of grandeur right like so true like maybe mm -hmm. that's consistent in both of them that they yeah. were like destined to be these famous musicians and yeah yeah so while in hollywood he became obsessed with that movie taxi driver he watched it over 15 times which side note i feel like 15 times is not too obsessed I feel like maybe he, he watched watch it, it more 15 than that. times straight. Did he <laughs> watch it for 15 hours or like 17 hours straight? <laughs> I was like, has anyone seen how much millennials watch Twilight? <laughs> yeah, it was like, um, I've I've watched a lot of movies a lot of times, like favorite movies, like many times. But yeah, <laughs> I'm, I was trying to think of how many maybe times I've watched Sounds of the Lambs and not stalked Jodie Foster. <laughs> Sounds of the Lambs an awful lot. And I even wrote an entire in school for criminology. I went to um, criminology and film. That was one of our classes, one of my favorites. And I wrote like a 20 page dissertation on this entire fucking film. So I'm like, I know that movie backwards Inside and forwards. And I feel out. like 15 isn't a stretch. <laughs> no. I don't know. Oh, man. Um, so he became obsessed with the main character, Bickle, who was Robert De Niro, have, played by Robert De Niro. Have you seen the movie Taxi No. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let me summarize it for you. So basically, yeah. the long short of it is it follows a taxi driver. Wow, what a wild time, Robert De Niro. Um, and he's a previous Vietnam vet, too. So he obviously has had a lot of, lot of trauma going on and everything else. He 
shows a lot of disdain for New York City. He wants to get the scum off the streets. He even talks to a political figure about how, like, I just, this city just needs to be cleaned up. Like, he just has a real issue with other people. Um, and he's, he's violent. Like, he's got some tendencies, right? He gets an obsession for a woman who's working in the campaign trail of a political figure. And he starts to date her. But he takes her to, and I thought this was so weird. You know those old shoddy, um... I don't want to like get our video demonetized on YouTube. So I'm trying to think of how to say it. You know, those adult film theaters. Oh, like, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And they're in New York. Is this in New York? They're in New York. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. So um, on a yeah. date, he takes her to one. There's no second date. She's like, what? No. So she gets up. I mean, she's like, obviously too, like not from that area she gets up immediately walks out and immediately i notice i'm like this is in the crappiest neighborhood ever like you've got you know prostitutes on the street like i i don't even know what he was thinking doing this she doesn't know what he was thinking she's like i can't believe you would take me here anyway she goes back so it's disturbing to me for the majority of the movie i was very disturbed by his character obviously yeah and i couldn't understand why someone would find him heroic until the end so after he's obsessed with this campaign manager, even showing up at her workplace and everything else, he then soon meets young Jodie Foster's character, Iris. She is this young child prostitute. Her and her pimp get in this fight. Um, the pimp throws him $20 and is like, you know, ignore this. Like, this didn't happen kind of thing. You didn't see it. Whatever. Um, so he then becomes obsessed with her. And at one point in time, after he fails to try to assassinate the political figure that that woman had been involved with. Which that was eerie. The scene where he goes to assassinate this guy. That's extremely weird. well, it's so like similar. Ronald Reagan's. Yeah. yeah. It, he like based it like the way they're marching, the Secret Service are marching him out, but the Secret Service yeah. noticed that Bickle goes to pull a gun. And so they get the guy out of there. So he's safe. So then Bickle decides to go save Jody and become this like heroic figure for her he'd already tried to get her out and sent her a letter and all sorts of things try to get her away from her pimp she's in love with him that's oh. what happens to a lot of people um so he shows up and it all of a sudden turns into a quentin tarantino film i felt like like he just starts oh, killing what? everybody <laughs> like so, oh my it's very bloody okay. fingers are lost it was a mess but in the end he ends up in spoiler alert in the end he ends up in a coma and you see all these letters. So there's like newspaper clippings hailing him a hero, trying to save this underage girl from prostitution. Her parents have written him a letter saying, you know, we, we really want to um, get more money so we can come back to New York to sit at your bedside. And you don't really know if this is really what happened. Like if these newspaper clippings along his hospital wall are from actual real, or, real or, or if it's in his brain that he's hailed this hero but by the ending i could understand how someone especially if they're going through psychosis or something like that might view him as heroic because he viewed himself as heroic you know yeah so isn't heroic people but yes yeah. um wow yeah okay i know yeah mm -hmm. so in the months leading up to the assassination attempt he was aimless, totally aimless. John Hinckley was his parents were extremely concerned about his future and his mental health. He'd participated in extremely harmful behaviors, even playing Russian roulette. Okay. Yeah. He Help. took an, uh, yeah, he took a now infamous photo where he held a gun to his head. We can, we can show that. Um, it's part of, like, I saw him with pictures, like with a lot of guns, like in that 
Mm-hmm. That clip. Yeah. Oh, uh, but he had already tried to overdose on his antidepressant medication as well. Like lots of red flags. Mm-hmm. He went into treatment. His parents set him up with treatment um, with a psychiatrist, but the psychiatrist was never aware that he had these assassination ideologies or an obsession with Jodie Foster, which I feel like were very pertinent levels that, that he was on at that pretty- point. That seems pretty like shallow waters for like a therapist. You're like, are you having any delusions? Are you having like, it's like, no, nothing. Like, no, I'm fine. And then just tries to assassinate the president. She's like, I had no idea. Like, well, what did you know then? What were you guys covering in therapy? Oh, oh gosh. He told his parents he had enrolled in a writing program that they paid for, of course. And guess where it was? Yale University. Oh, my. But he wasn't even enrolled in this. He just had them basically pay his way to get over to where Jody was. Yes. Now, somehow he found her address. I don't know how. Somehow he found her phone number. I do not know how. And I, That's I, crazy. I can't, how scary. Yeah. Um, so Especially back three, then. Mm-hmm. Now he was it's not like af- you just Google somebody. No. I feel like that would have taken a lot of effort, honestly. I know. Like, like, what do you oh. walk around and ask and yell? Like, do you know Jodie Foster? Can I have her number? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, it is crazy. So Dude he was directory. Afraid- Sorry. I, I don't know. I don't know how yeah. he figured that out. Like, that's so weird to me that you could just, I feel like nowadays, like you couldn't just, maybe you could just find someone's address in like LA or something, but I feel like, I don't know. I don't know, but he's a stalker. So I guess he found a way, right? Like. I guess so. So he was too afraid to see her in person, though, which I guess was good for Jody. I mean, on I mean, honestly, yeah. it's amazing that this didn't turn into him killing her. Quite right. honestly, that's where I thought this would have gone. Yeah, yeah. So he begins leaving these letters and poems in her mailbox. One of them reads, "Jody, goodbye" in all caps. I love you six trillion times, and then in all capitals again. Don't you maybe like me a little bit? You must admit it. I am different. It would make all the difference, John Hinckley. Wonder what she did with these. Do you know? I don't know. I feel like it's all been submitted to evidence, you know, or maybe she threw some of them out. Like I would be so like disgusted by the entire thing. Um, he like did have trying to submit it to the university or somebody, wouldn't she be like, "Hello, something? It? It's yeah. on your property. I'm a minor, yeah. well, a minor, but I'm in your care." Well, I don't know if it was seen too. We have to think it's also the 1980s, right? Were you thinking to? I don't know, like. I don't know if I'd be thinking yeah. it that seriously, you know, and there's two recorded phone conversations that he had with her. I'm sure he had more, but there's two recorded ones and you can hear her in the back of one. She's like, can you stop calling? She's like, not you again. Like, yeah, she's yeah. just like done with she's it. Like annoyed mm-hmm. minor annoyance, but scary. But now yeah. we know. Very. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So shortly after his failed attempts to woo him to her, he began taking flights sporadically across the country, and he started stalking President Carter on his campaign appearances. Maybe he's just obsessed. Was he just like obsessed with the movie? Well, in, that's in it. Totality, right? like with assassinations and presidents and Jodie Foster, like yeah, all of it. So as he's flying frenetically like across the country, one of his stops was Lincoln, Nebraska, which I thought was interesting. I know, but in Lincoln, he wanted to meet one of the leading ideologians of the American Nazi party. I don't know where that is. I don't know anything I, I, about that. <laughs> you, you're not a member. <laughs> not a member. <laughs> oh, God. But this meeting never took place. But I think it's the weirdest thing that he was like, ah, yeah. Gotta go like, to Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's his brain? Like, it is wild to me that that was like a thought process to like. It's, it, it just made sense all over to the place. enough to travel to do it, to go and like, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's I know. So right before the assassination attempt, he flew home to Colorado on March 7th, 1981. And his father basically told him, if you don't have a job, like I, I don't know what to do with you. Um, so his father ended up giving him money and just told him basically to get on his way because it, like It'd be too much. You'd be like, you're going where, why, what are you yeah. trying to do? This I week? would. Yeah. Um, he then was arrested in Nashville airport for handguns and his luggage. Like, there's a lot of warning going on here. A lot of warning. And in the new year, he recorded a very disturbing monologue about not really wanting to hurt Jody, but he feared he was losing his sanity and was likely the likelihood of Suicide City was over him if he failed to win her over. So I wanted to read a portion of this. This was in New Year's Eve of 1981. So just a few months beforehand. So he writes, or he says in his tape recorder, excuse me, and he did this like on New Year's Eve, <laughs> John Lennon is dead. The world is over. Forget it. It's just going to be insanity. If I even get to make it through the first few days, I still regret having to go on with 1981. I don't know why people want to live. John Lennon is dead. I still think I, I still think about Jody all the time. That's all I really think about. And that and John Lennon's dead. We're sort of binded together. I hate New Haven with a mortal passion. I've been up there many times. And New Haven's where Yale is, just by the way. Mm -hmm. I've been up there many times, not stalking her really, but just looking after her. I was going to take her away for a while there, but I don't know. I'm so sick. I can't even do that. It'll be total suicide city. I mean, I could care less. Jody is the only thing that matters now. Anything I might do in 1981 would be solely for Jody Foster's sake. My obsession was Jody Foster. Foster, excuse me. I've gotta, I've gotta find her and talk to her some way in person. Something. That's all I want her to know is that I love her. I don't want to hurt her. I think I'd rather just see her not, not on Earth, than being with other guys. I wouldn't want uh, to stay here on earth without her. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot there. And then he blaming like, the therapist. I'm not blaming the therapist. Just got to throw that disclaimer out there. Mm -hmm. But in it seems like in talking to him in any capacity that you'd be like, this man needs help. This man's having 
like suicidal thoughts or delusions of like being with Jodie Foster or yeah stalking the president like because that letter has so many red flags like every line is a red flag for one for his own health or someone else's health yeah and there's all these trial excerpts from like the poems that he wrote and everything like some of these are so crazy like this one's entitled amen Jody isn't plastic, nor does she cry at the sight of me writhing in pain down a gutter in Anna Street, USA, because Jody will always be Jody. Don't cry for me, Arizona. The truth is, I brought it on myself in a calculated way and by means which I would p- positively hurt everyone around me. Like, he even wrote a poem called Guns Are Fun. Like, like there's a lot going on. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Where do you start with all that? Honestly, like that's, if she were getting this in her mailbox, I, now we know like you would be really concerned. I don't know. Maybe she wasn't that concerned, Just more mm-hmm. annoying nuisance, but no, yeah. be concerned. This, this man's got his eye on you. A hundred percent. So he's just 25 years old when he almost kills the president, severely injures press secretary James Brady. This damage permanently disabled James Brady. And when he died in 2014, his death was labeled a homicide because of this incident. Yeah. Wow. Um, Secret Service announcing shots fired first over with the over the radio with the code name Rawhide, which I just thought was an interesting little thing to put in here because Ronald Reagan and his acting career and like everything else. Anyways. The public first got the indication that Reagan was okay when his assistant said to the press in a briefing that he complained about the cost of his $1,000 suit as they cut it off. <laughs> Not my suit. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I read an article that his son had written too about um, John Hinckley being released, which I'll, I'll touch on at the end. Um, and he thinks he thinks it's right. His son, Ronald Reagan's son, thinks it is right that John Hinckley is not being monitored. He thinks he's healthy now and is monitoring himself and is aware that he made a huge mistake. Um, but he talked about his father just being a complete jokester and also that his father forgave John Hinckley. But the thing is, is his father was not the only victim in this. That's right. where I, like, the, the press secretary Brady, like, that is horrific and um yeah i just i feel like you know the president and other people making comments on this like obviously he had been a a victim but you can't say you forgive like for everyone you know what i mean that was yeah i mean he gets yeah only yeah. for himself or his father yeah yeah so the president did recover quickly um keeping his joking demeanor he left the hospital on april 11th and he joked as he got into his limo that he needed to go home and have a seat. <laughs> so that's fine. But the damage was insurmountable. John was arrested immediately. Obviously, he'd been like shaken to the he was, ground. He like tackled to the ground. Else. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he asked his arresting officer if that's night, that night's Academy Award ceremony would be postponed because of his actions. So he just Why? wanted this like fame. Like, mm-hmm. It would be. It would be postponed by a day. President Reagan had already filmed a clip for it um, talking, you know, on the show. But, like, I just thought that was so interesting. So before we dive into the trial and what Mm. happened with that, I wanted to talk about what Jody experienced that day. Um, This is from her GQ article. It's entitled, Why Me? 
I was skipping hand in hand across campus with my best friend. Someone yelled as we went by, hey, did you hear? Reagan got shot. We continued on. At dinner time, everyone was asking if we heard about the president's what the pre president's condition was. Well, my radio had been busted for three months, and my friend was terminally glued to the local reggae station. Come on, this is college. News can wait. No one seemed to mention Brady or the assailant until later in the evening. I finally sauntered home around 1030. My roommate opened the door before I could even get the key in. John, she said. John who? John Hinckley. What about him? Did he write me again? He's the one. I think it was on the radio. Bullshit. You're imagining this. The phone was ringing. I answered. My dean said, don't be upset. He explained that my pictures and my address had been found on the arrested man. I felt Ooh, I tears welling up. Oh, right. Like, oh, Ugh. this like humanizes it. Cause you think Jodie Foster and you think it's like, but no, like college girl in her dorm hearing, you know? Yeah. I felt tears welling up in my eyes. My body started shaking and I knew that I had lost control. Maybe for the first time in my life, I was meeting the FBI. I was to meet the FBI in his office as soon as was possible. Give me a couple minutes, I said. I ran to a friend's. I waited for her to get out of the shower. At least three or four loud boys listened to the news down the hall. They were drinking beer, and I carried on with them for a few minutes, just to prove to myself that I could do it. I laughed and made jokes like a good little actress. Then my friends closed the door and questioned me with a glance. I started to cry, but my tears turned into laughter. I couldn't stop laughing. It was simply too funny, too incredible, too painful, too bizarre. She thought I was going crazy. My laughter was strange and hollow, and I couldn't control it. It was beyond me. My body jerked in painful convulsions. I hurt. I was no longer thinking of the president or the assailant or of the crime of the press. I was crying for myself, me, the unwilling victim. Um, yeah. Crazy to think, like, that's how she, like, reacted. And how, how she, she found, found out. out. Yeah. I just felt it really humanized you. You know, you come home, you know, from school or hang out with your friends and it's like, holy shit, that guy that's been stalking me, like, you're kidding. You know? Well, we've all had those moments. Like, I think for me in my lifetime, like, you're like 9-11. Like, you'll always remember where you were. So it's like that moment where the world, like, shifts because mm -hmm. something else monumental happened. And for her, like, obviously, her name in this and, oh, God, like, his, her info on on his person when he gets arrested mm. so crazy don't tell me that he i mean obviously he was stalking her he was too nervous to approach her but she would have been in his proximity like oh yeah like he oh, would have yeah like been you know you watch me or something and you're like like he's like in the next row of books over he's like in the cafeteria yeah. at the table next to you like you didn't realize that he's there yeah it's yeah. so scary. It's so disturbing. So during his trial, Hankley's defense team went for the insanity plea. He was evaluated over the course of four months. Prosecute prosecution psychiatrist said he was sane, you know, and defense psychiatrist. Yep. Yeah. And defense psychiatrist said he was psychotically legally insane. You know, I mean, that's just the natural, uh, very. Yeah, of course. It's a defense. Uh, Mm -hmm. In order to get Hinckley to participate, though, in his own defense, and here's where things get so fucking creepy, like so creepy, um, he ordered his legal team to get Jodie Foster to testify. He said he wouldn't participate in his defense if she, she didn't testify. Does she testify? 
Yes. So his lawyers arranged for her to testify in a closed recorded session before the, before the jury was even selected. It was only between the legal teams, the judge and John was there as well. Wait, so he, he was, was in- there when she testified? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I don't think that the- would happen anymore. You'd be like, no, <laughs> we're not like caving to your know. whims. I don't know. Apparently when he got the news that she was going to testify, he called his parents excitedly and said, mom, dad, I'm going to be in the same room as her. Yeah, he just wanted to be around her. That's why I can't believe they allowed that. Wow, it was crazy. It's really crazy. Yes. So her testimony, though, didn't go as he bargained for. (laughs) No. So Jody testified, and she testified on the one-year anniversary, too, of the assassination attempt, which I thought was bananas. Um, But she wouldn't even look at him. She wouldn't look at him in the eye, and she didn't even mention his name. So here's a little excerpt from it. Good. Exactly. Good for her. So now with respect to the individual, John W. Hinckley, looking at him in the courtroom today, do you recall seeing him in person before today? No. Did you ever respond to his letters? No, I did not. Did you ever invite his approaches? No. How would you describe your relationship with John Hinckley? I don't have any relationship with John Hinckley. As she completes her testimony, Hinckley throws a ballpoint pen at her and shouts, I'll get you foster. Okay. Oh my. Yeah. Yes. So as I said earlier, the um, phone calls that he received and he recorded or he gave to her, excuse me, and recorded, they seem to show even more puzzled Jody. Like she, she didn't know what was going on. So here's a little expert. This is the person that's been leaving notes in your box for two days now. And at one point you can hear her roommates laugh in the background. And then she says, yeah, should I sell him? tell him I'm sitting here with a knife? And he says, well, I'm not dangerous. I promise you that. Obviously he is. Maybe not she, to her, but maybe. obviously potentially to her. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. She says, seriously, this isn't fair. Do me a favor and don't call me back. All right. And he says, well, how about just tomorrow? And she says, oh, my God. Oh, seriously, this is really starting to bother me. Do you mind if I hang up? And Mr. Hinckley says, Jody, please. Oof. Yeah. So he never takes the stand in his own defense. The jury would say that they believe that he was insane. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity on June 21st, 1982. And for some reason at the time, some news reporters did say that this was a racially motivated um, verdict because it was a, well, it was a jury of 11 black men, one white, and they believed it was anti-Reagan sentiment. I feel like it was just for not clicks, obviously for buying media or like whatever else. I feel like it was just very Ratings. Ratings. Back in the day. Yeah. I feel like it wasn't racially motivated at all. But yeah. It's strange that they would allow a a jury selection to be so biased. Mm -hmm. Like usually they try to select equal races, equal genders, equal Mm -hmm. backgrounds, you know, like just just so it's a variety. But in like large trials, I'm not saying like everybody's trial, but um, huh. That's funny to me that they would have such a a jury selection because you wouldn't want that to be the outcome you know you no. wouldn't want that to be like oh it was racially motivated like 
if you had a jury that, but both teams have to agree to the jury. So, well, I find it interesting. So, you know how there's conspiracy theories around everything. I don't know if there's conspiracy theories necessarily around this. So, you know how there's in, uh, you know how they conspiracy theorists, like they think about how there's incels whenever there's a school shooting or anything else that like the CIA hired this person. So I actually did read an entire article on this about how John Hinckley Jr. was not an incel. And let me tell you why. And I don't, obviously I don't think he was an incel. I do think he was unfortunately very mentally ill. And um, he had this obsession with Jodie Foster. That was a lot. Um, But I know I thought it I I just thought it was an interesting thought because then you think about the the jury selection and all of that I was like that's um it is interesting but I don't I don't think it was that anyways um he was confined originally at St. Elizabeth's in Washington DC until 2006 and where he began a program where he would spend more time in his mother's care by 2016 he was just like all with his mother so she was monitoring everything making sure and now he is total freedom no one's monitoring anything i'm sure the secret service monitors him but yes after the incident jody foster would take a semester off at yale and was escorted by a bodyguard wherever she went because of this incident she had even more stalkers as she goes on in the gq oh. article that we read an excerpt from to talk about how she'd performed in a play at yale and how upsetting it was because there were people in the audience trying to take photos of her one was someone from the press and the director had told her that her act or him like this person from the press that her acting chops weren't really up to speed like the director was just trying to get guff off of this as well like how they had found a letter in the crowd that said that Jody would be dead by the end of the performance. She obviously wasn't. She's still very much alive and well today, thankfully. Yeah. But like how they're just harassing her stalkers, harassing her. Yes. And a 22 year old man named Edward Michael Richardson, um, who according to the secret service, cause obviously they're still very much involved in this shared a similar obsession with her that Hinckley did. He carried a loaded handgun and planned to kill her, but only changed his mind after watching her perform in that college play. Jeez, they're on every corner and he would be in the audience. That's nuts. No one's screening a college play for guns back then. Probably not even now, but like, that's, oh, how scary. Yeah, no wonder. She can't can't have a bodyguard with her at all times. Like, she's not going to have her bodyguard right next to her on stage. No. Yeah. how yeah i don't know how she slept at night that's i i don't know either i don't know how she because she ended up graduating from yale so like good for her for being able to i don't think i would have yeah i don't think so um so she has only since the incident commented on hinkley three times so the press conference a few days after the attack and then i've been riffing a lot of this efforts episode so i'm so sorry it wasn't a gq excerpt it was esquire magazine so in 1982 entitled why me that was the esquire not gq i apologize mm-hmm. and after his sentencing during an interview with charlie rose on 60 minutes which you can find on youtube which i did watch for this um she ended up canceling several several interviews or ending it very quick whenever they mentioned this, which is she rightly should. This is not her responsibility to comment on this, and she just wanted to leave it in the background. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. On she did appear on a podcast episode with Mark Marin and WTF with Mark Marin is the podcast um, where she said she voluntarily chose not to speak about the incident in interviews to avoid being labeled as an actress, primarily remembered for this incident, to avoid being. Um, excuse me, and also reflected on how her mother, who was a former publicist, helped her overcoming the media frenzy that came down after this and the public's obsession with her involvement. 
Um, I do want to say too on her mother's okay, sorry, note. Sorry, Jody, for bringing this back to the top. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just find so it so fascinating. <laughs> um, but we do remember you and didn't even know about this. If that makes it any yeah. Maybe our listeners had no idea. We we'll always remember you for, well, for me, for Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. amazing actress. The Accused of another yeah. amazing Jodie Foster film. Always. Yeah. This had nothing to do with her, but I do find it. I do find it just wild. Yeah. Wild, wild. So since John Hinckley's verdict and his release, he has apologized to everyone now he says he's glad he did not succeed. He apologized to the families of the victims, to his victims, to Jody. He now says that it does seem insane, his involvement in this and, and the fact that he thought it would get Jody's attention. Um, now believes that he felt it was more of a suicide attempt. He was trying to end his own life, which does make sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although he was labeled an unpredictably dangerous person. As we said earlier, he now believes there's way too many guns in America. Um, he bought his gun, though, at a Texas pawn shop with a fake ID. So just to let that be known out there. He thinks that he has now paid his debt to society by overcoming his mental illness and trying to get back to society with his music and his art. Hmm. All of his very interesting. All of his recent concert dates have been canceled by the venues that booked them reported who they booked well that's it that's that's what i don't understand like yeah so this is very timely because he's still trying to book concerts and everything like that reportedly they canceled this for his own safety as well as the safety of others he's now it is interesting he's now 67 years old and lives in williamsburg virginia and like i said as of june he has no monitoring um i read that article by michael reagan and he remarked that before even returning to the White House, Ronald Reagan had already forgiven John Hinckley. He even wanted to meet John and apologize to him in person, although that never happened because John's doctor said that he would just be too unstable to meet the president. Um, but I kind of wanted to end on that note. And wow, that is I the crazy. So that Isn't is that crazy? I know. I I had no clue either. It literally all came up because of that that uh, episode we did last week on child stars in Hollywood. But yeah, absolutely wild. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. And you will be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. And what I love about BetterHelp is that you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist and they respond with timely and thoughtful responses and you can schedule your weekly video or phone sessions so you don't have to sit at an actual therapist's office. You can do therapy wherever. I love it because they have such a broad range of things that they can talk about and are experts in. So if you feel like something's overwhelming you, like I know right now with me, content seems to be overwhelming me forever. I'm always distracted by the office or scrolling on TikTok for forever and not really paying attention to what's going on within me. So I feel like that's been super helpful. 
Yeah. And if it's not your match, they'll match you with someone else. So I know I had to try with one therapist and then I switched to another therapist that was a better fit for me. It's also way more affordable than offline therapy and financial aid is available for those who may need it. Join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health by visiting betterhelp.com slash ITT. That's betterhelp.com slash ITT. And BetterHelp has a special offer for ITT listeners. You'll get 10% off your first month if you go to betterhelp.com slash ITT. Again, that's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash ITT. I know. I'm just realizing, okay, I already said, after I said, what did I say, Lecter? No. Lecter, Lester. You said Lester. <laughs> like, oh my god, no. Lecter. <laughs> so yeah, well, so close. Good try. I was so confused, and then I was like, I was You're trying like, to think. It's like Buffalo what? Bill, and then I was like, no, Hannibal no. Lecter is who she's talking about. I know <laughs> Anthony Good Hopkins, job. who's also still doing very well. Yeah, um, he posts videos of playing piano and dancing around the house, and his cats. I love that he's a cat man, and he could still get it from me anyway. Wasn't her name yeah. Patrice though? Patrice. Patrice. No, Clarice. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you were all over the place this episode. I didn't even catch it. Like, oh my God. I'm so close, but so far. I was like, I'm drinking Patrice. <laughs> You're like, no, Clarice. <laughs> it's no. like a knockoff silence of the lambs. <laughs> oh no. Sure. Oh, it's <laughs> I, it. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh shoot. I was like, yeah, so close. Oh <laughs> it's the wine. Reese. Guess it's good wine. Yes, naked wines. <laughs> Thanks, naked wine. You guys nailed it. <laughs> oh god. Also, by the way, we just hit a million downloads. So thank you guys Yay. so much. Oh We're my so gosh, we love it. Thanks, guys. I'm so excited. So for like this million downloads, we are going to have a Patreon launch soon. So yes, I'm so excited. We've planned so much great stuff for you on Patreon. So we much. They're listening, but there's so much more that we have to share and Patreon's a perfect place to share that I feel so. Mm-hmm. So I'm so excited for it to launch. Stay tuned for September. Um, make sure that you're checking us out, double checking, and we'll definitely have way more content coming your way. I super can't wait, but thank you so much for wanting to listen to us and for being here. But yeah, until next time. Next time cheers. A Media Production.